Well, hello and welcome to another wild week at the Waffle Free Storytelling Podcast. Today we have an extraordinary and wonderful story from guest storyteller Jason Green, a spectacular storyteller, writer, screenwriter, director, movie maker. So this is one of two stories and a waffle-filled interview coming from Jason. Uh, This one is called The Oldest Man's Final Act. It is a beautiful story. Now listen right to the end because there is magic in those final words. Enjoy. I was 83 years old when I attended my mother's funeral. Looking around the luxurious, flower-filled, and overcrowded parlor, it felt like I may have been the oldest person in attendance. Of course I wasn't, but it was hard to tell during an age when the human consciousness could be immigrated to a neural net, and the only limit to what a newly immortalized mind could implant itself into was that of a person's imagination. I suppose that if you wanted to split hairs, you could say that I was the oldest physical body in the room. For 99.999% of the population, life these days starts off slow and hits light speed shortly after. Kids reach the age of cerebral maturity around 22 and can upload everything from their brains, their memories, their consciousness, into the connect. And that's it. They're off to the races. Fail-safe backups, unlimited memory storage. Migrate that mind into any form you like. The electric fountain of youth has been discovered. Earlier in the day, as I walked the concourse towards the funeral parlor, I was reminded of my ineptitude, my inferiority. I watched as some Borgs zipped along on their wheels, others bounding 20 feet in the air on springs, more still taking entire city blocks in a stride with their gigantically long legs. I use a walker. I take forever. I feel very, very old. The truth is that hardly anyone has died of old age in decades. Whenever I finally kick off my mortal coils, all of my patron subscribers that pay to watch me on the Connect will simply move on to some new fad. (sighs) I can't complain, though. The curiosity over my genetic defect has afforded me an amazing life. And what's the big deal? So I don't get to live forever. Most Borgs don't end up wanting to either. When I finally got to the funeral home, the party was well underway. All of my mother's friends were there. Beatrice, who looks like a cow, a literal Borg bovine. The six million dollar heifer. Angelo, with the devilish grin and the fifteen foot long hydraulic arm, who, even after fifty years, still loves tapping people on the shoulder from across the room. Bop who looks like one of those clowns that never falls over when you punch them. At a glance, I recognized maybe 40 to 50 of my mom's closest friends. I noticed a few new faces as well. Larry sauntered over in his slow, cowboy-like manner and stopped me in the doorway. It's good to see you, young man, he said. I wish the visit was under better circumstances, I replied, but I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're all here. You see, he calls me young man because to him, I suppose that I am. Larry is 260 years old. We move further into the parlor and sit together in silence, 
waiting. I was born in 2176, the good old-fashioned way. My parents' brains were too immature for them to be Borgs and grow their children in vats like everyone else, but they were madly in love, and what can I say, life happens. My father was an academic type who loved 20th century Canadiana, and my mother was well on her way to becoming a licensed mechartist. She had a skill for combining plastics and metals that few could match. The memories of my early life are happy ones. We were a wonderful, little, odd family. It was Dad's grand plan that both he and Mom would wait to immigrate consciousness until I was of age as well, and then we would all go through the process together. I don't think Mom stopped crying for a week when we learned that both Dad and I had Faustasia syndrome. We would never be able to become Borgs and would be forced to live normal lives. A year later, when my dad was hit by a courier bot and killed, mom disappeared into her room, would rarely come out. When she finally pulled herself together and stopped crying, she left without saying goodbye. I know my mother loved me, but sometimes sorrow takes you. Sometimes sorrow takes you to dark places. I didn't see my mother again until after I was 40 years old. By then, Mom had been a Borg for years, was rich, and living the fantasy life she had always dreamed about. Sometimes I think that when she immigrated, she didn't keep the memory of my father. I want to keep my memories. I need my memories. Larry was one of the first truly successful human-to-machine brain uploads, or immigrations. Originally, when humanity finally broke the barriers and realized we could upload the intricacies of the mind into the connected cloud, things went horribly wrong. Eventually, we learned that the mind still had to be encased in its own disconnected cybernetic unit to stay sane. A human mind, with enough resources to continue living the way it normally would, but indefinitely, was a perfect mixture. You want to study music? Study music to your heart's content for hundreds of years. You want to design a better rocket ship? You'll never have to take a sick day, can perform millions of computations a minute, and can spend your fortunes at the drawing board testing prototypes. (sighs) Sorry. In my old age, I tend to ramble a bit. Where was I? I think I had been listening intently to Mom's friends telling stories about their escapades while I rested this old body on a comfortable couch. One minute, people were laughing and talking, then suddenly... A hush fell over the room. She was there. I watched as everyone turned and smiled. There was my mom. Being a Borg, she could have looked like anyone, like anything really. But she had chosen to look as she did when she was 25. Exactly as I remembered when I was a child. Beautiful. Golden hair. Face pretty as a peach. Beaming smile, always showing her sparkling white teeth. Her yellow sundress swished as she walked, greeting everyone in turn, calling them by name. I stood, with some effort, and reached out. She hardly stopped as she passed, shaking my hand and thanking me for coming. Absolutely no recognition of who I was. My eyes started to swell with tears as she walked to the front of the room to address the crowd. I shouldn't have been upset, of course. I understood how the process of shutting down for the last time works. A cyborg's funeral 
isn't exactly what you'd expect. There's never a true reason for a Borg to die. Backups of the mind are always available should an accident occur. Damaging a body beyond repair doesn't really matter. Really, you could go on living forever if you wanted, swapping bits and bobs of your hardware. Heck, you could swap whole bodies to a purple cow if you wanted to. But when you're a Borg and decide that it's time to call it a day, to shove off, to bite the big one, you simply have to make the legal decision to end your life. Once all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, your backups are cleared from the connect, and you're given the option to put a block on the knowledge and memory of your loved ones. I'm not exactly sure how it works. To be honest, I didn't really believe it did until that very moment. I saw a man that I didn't recognize near the front of the room also try to speak with my mother with no success. Tears in his eyes, he clasped her hand and he begged her not to go through with it. Gently, she pulled her hand from his. Do I know you? She said, moving on. He sat, lost, his head in his hands. I made my way over and sat beside him. I put my hand on his shoulder. I always assumed that Mom's new life was all fun and games. Sure, eventually we reconnected, and she would come and visit me from time to time. Every seven to eight years when she'd get back from wherever she'd been and saw how I'd aged, I think it depressed her. Soon, her absences grew longer and longer. I suppose the one thing I can take away was that she must have truly loved me to erase the memories of my existence before ending it all. As my mother took to the front of the room and began giving a farewell speech to her friends, I think this man, this... Kindred spirit and I realized that it would be too painful to listen to the woman we loved speaking while not knowing that we existed. Benjamin introduced himself and told me briefly how he had met my mother thirty years earlier and fell in love. He told me how they had traveled the world, they had painted together, walked the ocean floor, learned to tango, but that through it all she never stopped loving or talking about me and my father. Ben had said that Mom would never let the two of us meet, that she couldn't take it, that each time she would see me her heart would break a little bit more, and soon she became distant from him as well. A mother should never outlive her son, she said to him one day. Her mind was made up. He looked at me then and patted my hand. I don't know what I'll do without her, he said. It likely won't be too long before I book my own ceremony. He looked around, really taking in the room. I don't have as many friends as your mother has. She's such a wonderful woman. Perhaps instead I'll just remove my memories of her and move on. No, I shouted. The room turned to look at me, then resumed, helping my mother into her temporary resting coffin her speech obviously concluded i stood wanting to be closer no you can't i gently pleaded my father is gone look at me i don't have many years left 
There's no one who loved her as much as we all did. Please, keep her memories alive. For her. For me. For yourself. Ben stood, smiled, shook my hand. I have to be in Chicago in a few days, he said. For a contract I just took. Who knows? Maybe I'll stay. Come see me if you ever want a beer. I'll tell you stories about your mom. She really is a beauty of a Borg. With tears in his eyes and one last look at her, knowing he couldn't stop what was about to happen, he walked out. Mother sat in the coffin and finished saying her goodbyes. There wasn't a dry eye in the room. A somber man, in a black suit, who I assumed was the funeral director, stepped close. He said something quietly to Mom, who then lay down and closed her eyes. The man covered the coffin with a clear, circular casing, and then walked to the wall, typed into a console. There was a hum and a gentle green glow that emanated from the dome. And that was it. It was over. As Mom lay peacefully, her mind gone forever, everyone trickled out, until I was the only one left at her side. The funeral director came and stood quietly beside me. Finally he spoke. My deepest condolences. There will never be a good time to speak about the finances relating to a disconnection ceremony. A funeral, I said flatly. Yes, as you wish. The man paused, letting the silence hang. I would like to offer you a discount on our services for today. In fact, more than a discount. Your mother's body is in perfect condition. And with her consciousness now passed on, the brain is ready once again for a new host. As I started to realize that this man wanted to buy my mother's body, I turned to angrily face him. He continued, Rather than completing the normal disposal process of the body, we offer a recycling service to allow for another human immigration. What? so that I can go get my groceries and see my mom walking outside again like nothing ever happened? I'll call out to her, and when she turns, she'll laugh and say, OMG, aren't you the oldest man on earth? Can I get your autograph? And I'll feel like an ass as my heart breaks. No, thank you, I say. Oh, no, 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 he explains. Of course she would not be placed in this city. The inner workings of the, well, funeral system he makes air quotes with his fingers, are quite sophisticated. We operate a swapping system, if you like. Your mother's body would be sent to a new city, avoiding confusion here, and allowing for a new lovely young lady eager to begin her journey to immigrate. You would, of course, be compensated a small sum for allowing such a perfect host to be donated back into the system. I stared again at the plastic and metal that was my mother, my anger leaving all at once. Why was I mad? My mother was gone. They say I don't have much time left. I made it three more years on my own after mom passed, before having to move into an assisted living home. 
Shortly after that, my health took a turn for the worse. On the plus side, the cams are live and I've never had a larger audience, which is a good thing, because the amazing nurses I have are expensive. Thinking back to that day in the funeral parlor, I remember a smile forming as a small piece of a plan formed in my mind. Perhaps with the time I had left, I could play matchmaker. Perhaps I could keep my family's memory alive. I sat down slowly on the bench in front of my mother's coffin, rocked back and forth, rubbing my chest with my hand. Sir, are you all right? The man asked. I'm sure, silently imagining the paperwork he would have to complete if I keeled over and died in his funeral home. I'll accept your offer on one condition, raising my one index finger so he knew I was serious. I don't know if I would be able to accept conditions, but please tell me, if it's within my power, her body, I said. Send it to Chicago. And that's it. That is a beautiful story this week. Thank you so much, Jason. That is exquisite. So all of the links to what else Jason is doing is down in the show notes. And uh, along with uh, his second story that's coming out this week and the full of waffle interview (laughs) that's going to be out in a few days after that. So all the links down in the show notes. It's Tina Constant here saying have a fantastic, extraordinary and wonderful week. And uh, go visit www.tinaconstant.com for everything else that's going on in Waffle Freeland. And uh, I will see you next time. Bye bye now. <laughs>